and I'm worried about our services to our communities. Property taxes were unintentionally calculated too high, but it's not an error. The math was done 100% in accordance with the law. From IPR News, this is the weekly legislative podcast, Under the Golden Dome. Local governments figure out property tax rates based on information from the Department of Revenue. But late last year, another agency discovered there would be an overcollection of taxes. And they have to come up with $127 million across the state. And legislation advances requiring around 900 cities and county budgets to do with less as they're in the finishing stages of next year's budget. Cities have two choices now to make. They're either going to have to raise their levy rate or cut services to their residents. And the state universities meet with legislators to discuss a request for increasing their budget. Our request is for a $12 million increase. But Republicans are questioning the university's spending for diversity, equity, and inclusion salaries and programs. Do you believe that's a good use of taxpayer money? I'm John Pimple. This is Under the Golden Dome for the week ending February 17th, 2023. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Budgets for various state departments are often passed in the final weeks of the legislative session, but in the first few weeks, department directors visit appropriations committees. Uh, At this point, we'll move on to Department of Revenue. In this House subcommittee, the Department of Revenue's budget is determined by the Administration and Regulation Appropriations Bill. The bill isn't written yet, but the director of the Department of Revenue, Craig Paulson, is here to talk about his department's priorities and accomplishments. It's the mission of the department, serve Iowa and support state government by collecting all taxes required by law, but no more. The Department of Revenue is mostly known for processing Iowa tax returns. Uh, And we do about 2.7 million tax returns a year. That would obviously be of the various 22 different tax types uh, that we administer. So not just individual income. The Department of Revenue's annual budget is $72 million. It comes from a variety of sources, but only $15 million is from the Iowa General Fund. This subcommittee will determine the amount of general fund money to be allocated to the Department of Revenue for the new fiscal year beginning in July. We will begin to be in a position to start shutting off some of our legacy systems. Since 2019, the department has been in the process of updating its old computer systems. It should be completed late next year. Paulson says when this is done, the budget should be reduced to less than $70 million a year. A year from now, it should be somewhere in the mid-60s. These appropriations subcommittee meetings aren't just about budgets. They are also for legislators to ask department directors questions about anything. I'm hearing from my cities and counties about a mistake that was made. Democratic Representative Sharon Steckman is talking about property taxes. Late last year, it was discovered various changes to the tax laws unintentionally resulted in incorrect values for property taxes. The Department of Revenue sent local governments information in October that would result in collecting approximately $127 million more than they should. The problem is... This calculation wasn't widely known until January of this year. That's as hundreds of local governments are in the finishing stages of their budget process. 
right now they're asked, being asked to decertify, and they have to come up with $127 million across the state. Representative Steckman is talking about a bill passed in the Senate that would require local governments to collect less money, and that will affect budgets for the new fiscal year. Steckman asks Department of Revenue Director Craig Paulson to explain how this calculation to overcollect happened. The mistake, if that's what we want to call it, was in 2021, and that was when um, nobody really anticipated the growth in residential value. The effect of that growth uh, caused the calculations to come back, basically come back with two points higher than what would have been expected. When did the Department of Revenue realize that that this this so the so the calculation snowball thing would happen to cities and counties, and they're going to have to be cutting their budgets now? Paulson says he is required to inform local governments by November 1st the formula to tax properties, but this new discovery by the Legislative Services Agency happened after that. That's when the Department of Revenue began to look into this potential overcollection of property taxes. The truth is, it took I don't I don't know 10 days to unpack it unpack it all uh, uh, and make sure that we actually understood rerun the calculations multiple different times, make sure it was correct, so on and so forth. When did cities and counties become aware of it? I don't I don't know the answer to that. I, the department did not communicate to the cities and counties at all on the calculation. Paulson says the Legislative Services Agency and Department of Revenue did a recalculation by December. But Paulson says the department's duty had already been fulfilled by November 1st as to what to tell local governments. For the most part, this information about a possible overcollection was not widely known until soon after the legislative session began. The Senate fast-tracked a bill that would require property tax collections to be modified that would result in collecting approximately $127 million less. This would affect the budgets of local governments for their budgets beginning in July. The Senate's bill has passed. Now the House of Representatives is taking up this bill, led by Republican Representative Bobby Kaufman. Getting this bill done quickly is critical to prevent a $133 million property tax increase from going into effect. Iowa has around 900 city and county governments, and right now they are all near finalizing and preparing to certify their budgets. Democratic Representative Dave Jacoby proposes an amendment. It extends for a year the implementation of an incorrectly calculated rollback number and makes cities, counties, and schools whole. Where would the money come from? Good question. Jacoby says the Iowa Taxpayer Fund would send the amount of overcollected taxes to local governments so they can adjust future tax collections and not have to make changes to their budgets for next year. I've heard from dozens, if not almost a hundred, locals concerned about open positions that they won't be able to fill, open positions on police departments, open positions on fire, reserve money for fire trucks and equipment, and for those of us who live in areas with volunteer fire departments, you know when it comes to recruitment and retention, equipment is a top reason for people to join the force. This amendment does not advance. 
cities have two choices now to make. Democratic Representative John Forbes says some city budgets allocate more than half to public safety and speculates this is where cuts are likely to come. They either going to have to raise their levy rate and most likely it'd be around two, a two percentage point levy rate increase or cut services to their, their residents. And that's, that's not an easy decision. Democratic Representative Heather Matson's district includes the city of Ankeny. She says under this proposal, the city is planning to make the following changes. Eliminate five full-time positions in the communications, library, parks and rec, development engineering, and information technology departments that were authorized to start on April 1st. Eliminate 0.97 part-time positions in the city clerk and finance departments that remain unfilled. And unfortunately, reduce the recommended increase in staffing levels of the police department by two full-time positions. Representative Madsen, City of Ankeny, unencumbered funds in their ending balance, $25,961,623. Representative Kaufman says some cities, including Ankeny, could use other funds to cover the loss. What this bill does not do is set up a situation where one dime from law enforcement or public safety budgets has to be cut. This bill does not state what a local government can or can't cut from their budgets. Kaufman compares this to what has happened in years past to the legislature when state revenues are less than expected and subcommittees have to revise their budgets. That is exactly what all of our local officials will do here. We've put timelines in place to make sure this is workable. And with that, Mr. Speaker, I move Senate File 181. This bill does extend the time local governments have to certify their budgets by about a month. This bill passes the House. It is now eligible to be signed into law by the governor. This is the legislative podcast Under the Golden Dome. I'm John Pimble. Today we have a presentation by the Board of Regents. We are joined by President Wilson, President uh, Winterstein, and President Nook. The presidents of Iowa's three public universities are invited to speak before an Education Appropriations Subcommittee. Republican Representative Carter Nordman is the chair. Would you guys mind kind of overview of each university, what you are asking very briefly in your budget ask? I'll start with the University of Iowa. Our request is for a $12 million increase. University of Iowa President Barb Wilson. With the $12 million increase, U of I's general fund allocation would be $230 million. Part of our request, $7 million of that $12, would go to increasing uh, enrollments at the College of Nursing. And to do that, we really need two things. Number one, we need to renovate our simulation center. So one of the reasons we're so highly ranked and we're so uh, well-known is that we provide nursing students with incredible simulation opportunities where they're in technologically advanced um, simulator labs learning how to do the kinds of things they're going to do on the ground. And then a million of that, uh, seven, would be to hire more faculty. Iowa State University President Wendy Winterstein is also requesting a $12 million increase for a total of $186 million. And we're requesting $3 million to help us look at issues led by the Ames Lab uh, related to rare earth independence. Rare earth metals are used to manufacture components for items like computers. 
China is where most of the rare earth metals come from today. So developing and piloting new technologies to recycle computer hard drives that have a lot of rare earth materials, uh, creating different types of magnets with fewer uh, rare earth materials, and establishing a recycling research center at the Ames National Lab to speed the development of recycling technologies. So Iowa really could become a rare earth hub that would attract new businesses to Iowa and help us address what is a critical need for the nation as a whole. University of Northern Iowa's President Mark Nook is asking for an increase of $8 million for a total of $107 million. President Nook says $4 million will be allocated to holding tuition costs as low as possible. Nook says the other $4 million is to be used for a new program called Educators for Iowa. What we have recognized is that the state of Iowa and the entire nation has a severe shortage when it comes to educators. What we'd like to do is use the $4 million, some of it for scholarships, and ladder these so that there'd be a small amount for first-year students, a little bit bigger for second, a little bit more for third, and a little bit more for fourth. Republican Representative Taylor Collins asks about diversity, equity, and inclusion positions. I just wanted to confirm with regard to three, the, all institutions here today, the amount of money each of your institutions spend on your top diversity, equity, inclusion, or social justice posts. Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Programs, or DEI, are designed to make sure underrepresented people that are often subject to discrimination have equal or fair representation. Representative Collins identifies the combined salaries for four vice president DEI positions in the three universities. If my math is correct, that's about $750,000 for four people. Do you believe that's a good use of taxpayer money? We see an increasingly diverse population at each of our institutions. Iowa State University President Wendy Winterstein. Think about the broad definition of diversity, the broad categories uh, that these VPs for DEI work on every day, and uh, realize that it's a very broad set of programs that they're providing guidance and oversight for Another example is uh, socioeconomic status, Uh, how important that is. Again, back to our first-gen students, and I think 20%, I think we're actually 23. And oftentimes those students are very, uh, very poor. uh, and, and, And being able to care for them, to allow them to be in communities uh, of other students really make a difference. Yeah, I appreciate that. And there's no doubt there's this money is going to some good efforts, such as those who are come from struggling families. I, I understand that. But does it require somebody to make $247,000 a year to make a strategic plan for diversity? I, I don't know anybody in my district who makes north of $250,000 a year. We recruit the very best talent we can. And we're in a competitive job market, not in the job market that may exist in Iowa, but it's a job market that exists across the country. So we're trying to bring in the very best to serve our students, to work with our faculty and staff, and to do their job. Republican Representative Skyler Wheeler has more questions about diversity, equity, and inclusion positions. These positions haven't always been there. So what prompted the need for these positions at the universities? Were there things that we that were going on there that we didn't know about that needed to be fixed. I'm just curious why this has become such a big phenomenon recently in academia. Um, 
Yeah, a couple comments I'd like to make about that. University of Northern Iowa President Mark Nook says since the late 1960s, the university has had a center for urban education. And since the 1970s, the campus has been working on diversity issues with a multicultural center, which is now in the DEI program. Nook says it also helps students in the workforce. We do have many businesses that have come to us and said, we need you to make sure the students that are coming out understand diversity and inclusion when they get to our business. John Deere is a big partner with us. They're the biggest employer in the Cedar Valley, John Deere Waterloo Works. We've had these conversations with the Iowa Business Council. The Iowa Business Council started their own diversity committee because of the issues they're running into. Principal is a company that works with us on accountants and wants accountants that come in knowing how to work in these diverse teams. We know that John Deere is going to send people to South Africa, to South America, to Europe, to work in places that are completely different from where they grew up. They want them to have the cultural capital to be able to do that. Representative Wheeler estimates around $10 million is spent between the three universities on DEI efforts. Wheeler cites his concerns about some incidents at the universities. If this is put in place to help students be accepting of all backgrounds, they haven't been that way. We had a professor at Iowa State who wanted to come down hard on conservative students. At the University of Iowa, we had the discrimination against the Christian group. And at the University of Northern Iowa, and President Nook, I would give you credit, we had the student senate trying to label a pro-life group a hate group. So for $10 million, I'm just trying to figure out And we can talk about all these different things. I think you can accomplish many of the things that you've discussed, President Nook, without spending $10 million on positions that may or may not be pushing things like social justice. So we want you to know that we are not perfect. Iowa State University President Wendy Winterstein responds. Do we have a a misstep? Do we have a faculty member do something that they're not supposed to do? We run big organizations. We have more than 6,000 employees at Iowa State University. But what we've shared as we visited with members of the Iowa legislature is to let us know if they see something happening and that we will address it. And that's what we've done since those missteps that we talked about uh, with the Government Oversight Committee. Interactions like these are common during appropriations subcommittees. This education panel speaks with the presidents for 90 minutes. Drafts of budgets for education and other departments typically begin to surface in the month of March. This is the podcast Under the Golden Dome, where we follow some of the legislative movements every week. Script editor for this episode is IPR News Director Michael Leland. There are stories filed through the week on many subjects by IPR Statehouse reporter Katerina Sostarik, and you can read them at iowapublicradio.org. You can also read stories from the Capitol by IPR reporter Grant Gerlock. Subscribe to this podcast and check out some of our others like Here First, or catch up on our talk shows River to River and Talk of Iowa through their podcast feeds. I'm John Pemble. Under the Golden Dome is a production of Iowa Public Radio.